Can you hear me? Yep. You you sound good. Yeah? Yep. How do okay. I sound? Can you... You... Alright. That was okay, but before you were a bit quiet. Okay. Uh, I'll do a test. Is this better here? Or is this better yeah. here? Or does it sound uh, the same? The first one? The first one? Yeah. yeah the first one I thought kinda... so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a slight delay while I lost... Um, my recording device and like i had one of those moments where it's like oh it's okay i'll just call it and then i was like no wait it's not it's not a phone (laughs) i'm sure there's a device where you can call things that you shouldn't normally call like a little little tracker you can put on your keys or your, Uh... your book or something and then you and then you can beep it or you can GPS it. Yeah. Surely, surely that must That's exist. Good. It must be way too expensive and also not worth the effort and also have a weird battery life because it's hard to do the battery life with it. But that must exist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird that we've all kind of evolved this instinct of, oh, I'll just call it because that's kind of something that we probably first saw in Harry Potter. But it's just become part of our consciousness. Yeah. This idea that, like, oh, I've lost this thing, so I'm going to say, like, Accio phone, and then I'm going to know where it is. <laughs> Accio phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. How, how did you pronounce that word in your head? Because I always said Accio, but I was just thinking, like, I have no idea how to pronounce that. I've actually only ever. Oh, I, I just gave up. I never tried to pronounce okay. those words right. I just would read yeah, them and just yeah. say, okay, it's I'm a muggle, so I'll never get it right, so I'll just... Okay, yeah, you'd always be speaking with a funny accent anyway. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm a fraud, so why try, you know? Just why why pretend hmm. that I'm a wizard when I'm clearly not? Yeah. It's probably some muggle pride that you could adopt. <laughs> I'm a muggle and it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Man, it's kind of, Harry Potter comes to mind because I'm currently sitting in the, like, my bedroom from when I was a kid, which is kind of special, but a little bit surreal because there's, like, a few items of my furniture left in this room and the rest of it is, like, my parents' random stuff all over the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I am currently wearing my old duvet cover, though, from when I was, like, five, so that's kind of Nice. Yeah. Nice. Do you Do know what? I've never, five? I've never had. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. What have you never had? Um, I've never had anyone else live in the house that I grew up in. You know, like that's not a sensation that I can comprehend. Is what it's like to have another family call home, like the place where I kind of like the first home that I ever knew so like my definition of a home is this place and I've never had anyone else think of it as home yeah so you must have so many layers of memories when you walk through those hallowed halls yeah 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 it was really weird like I came back from overseas you know and like I guess the whole of New Zealand had this surreal quality of like I've forgotten it but it feels really familiar and so, like, the whole of Auckland was, like, an extension of this house, but, like, especially this house is, like, you know, like, in the kitchen, I knew where everything was, but it had become instinctive, 
Mm. Like if someone had asked me where are the forks, I couldn't have told them, but like I knew exactly where to go if I needed a fork. Mm. It was this really odd feeling. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that's home, right? So Auckland is this like vague definition of home, like this vague boundary. And then the closer you get to the epicenter of your home, the closer you get to the mm. forks, the, the more it becomes ra- instinct or intuition rather than knowledge. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It would be cool to see a map of someone's life and like the darker areas of where they've spent the most time. Yeah. And then there'll be like a few obscure outlying areas like in Europe or whatever. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, you could probably handcraft something like that, but it would be cool to get like a... Uh, <laughs> we're going back to the GPS tracker or like finder. You could put it on your body your whole life and then you'd have this really badass huh. like the route you took your whole life. Like, from birth to death. Like, where you walked, where you drove. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And if anyone ever yeah, lost you, they could memories. they could, they could beep you. If they ever lost you. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 There's so much that you can do with, like, all of the technology that we have. It's like, so, so many graphs that you can make oh, that would have been graphs. unbelievable. The graphs. A few years ago. The data. <laughs> it's incredible, the data. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I reckon we live yeah. in a real boom town for statistical data. Statisticians must be having a field mm-hmm. day out there with the amount of information on the internet and, and just everything. All data. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's big information, yeah. right? We live in an age of too much information. Like, there's just so much data out there, terabytes and terabytes. Yeah, yeah, so much that it kind of loses meaning. Or like mm. just gets to have this like insane quality. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's so there are so many potentials though for like psychologists. Oh yeah. Like we just li- li- like live in this age where everything is being recorded. Have you everything. Have you <laughs> are you um did you ever join up with Last FM? That website? Yeah. 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 Did you use it much? Not really anymore. I kind of use Spotify. Yeah. I just used it to get recommendations anyway. Yeah, same. Are you thinking of the scrubbing that it will listen to, like, or, like, analyze every single yeah. song? Yeah. So my friend was, was telling me how he can go back three years and see exactly what he was listening to three years ago, to the day. But not only oh, that, but he can, wow. he can go three years ago and see what he was listening to in the afternoon of a Tuesday. And he knows he was probably like coming home from school at that time or coming home from university or whatever so he can relate that like pinpoint it exactly isn't that insane wow yeah 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 <laughs> sometimes i go back on I my mean, you could graph that you could graph that yeah. hard you could graph that by having like colors for the different moods of the different songs oh, and probably right. show like depressed periods in his life and everything and like you know like specific times of day he was listening to more like party music and ah, yeah all the potential be, what were you gonna say oh imagine graphing that and then aligning it to a graph of like the route you take through your life like a geographical where you walk and then you mm-hmm. cut, put the colors on that so you've got this sort of through time through dimensional mm-hmm. i was listening to this music here and then when i was over there it was more like that type of music and then you overlay it with everyone else mm. and you can start to find the angsty areas of town. Oh my God. Oh my God. <gasps> wow. There's just so much you wow. can do. <laughs> yeah. If you, in, in like... I'm picturing it being... Oh yeah, yeah. go. No, I had nothing to say. 
I'm picturing it, it being like um, you've got like this dot and it's traveling through space in like a 3D way mm. but you can also hear snippets of all of the mm. songs that it's listening to as it goes mm. and then you kind of zoom out and you end up with all of the other dots and it just becomes this like cacophony mm. of music that people are listening to and ah <laughs> there's also the idea of when you've got a certain device that can pick up heat like a heat scanner or whatever that is I don't know what to call it um and it can pick yeah. up like body heat through walls. You've got the idea of we're all starting to give off a lot more data now. So we never used to give off recorded data except if you wrote something down or I don't know. But more and more with digital mm. like um, breadcrumb trails and like cookies and, and all sorts. Every what humans on earth are starting to give off so much like data heat now. Like we're all giving off so much data all the time. It's insane. And you think about it, there's like, what, 2 billion people on the internet? That's like 2 billion days of data every day that's been, like, shed off. It's just it's just an immensity of, of data. Yeah. More than we can handle. Mm. And there's, like, more, more, you, yeah. more YouTube being uploaded every minute than you can watch in your life or something. That's just crazy. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I have some notes on what to talk about. Awesome. Um, also, I thought we'd start with Pokemon Go, because you said that you had some thoughts about Pokemon, or, or our friend did. Yeah, yeah, these that. aren't really my thoughts. I've just been like, oh gosh, wow, everyone's like, you know, real world is boring. Now it seems like games on your phone are boring, but if it's a mix of real world and a game, it's like the most exciting thing ever and everyone's obsessed with it and I think that's kind of an odd thing. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. That was the extent of my personal thoughts on that matter, but what I can definitely share is our friend's thoughts who's been like thinking about how it could be improved. Pokemon? <laughs> what yeah, yeah, like what's your um experience with Pokemon Go been so far? Okay, so I um, all my notes sort of tied together, which is really nice, but yesterday cool. at work, I had everyone coming around the library, walking around on their phones, like staring at their phones, and because the library is a pokey spot, it's a hot spot where you can get free Pokeballs and things, so we have so many people coming in for that, just to get items, and people can, like, enhance, like, they can put a little potion on the... Uh, Pokestop, and that makes more Pokemon appear. Uh, and so someone had done that mm. all day, like, people kept doing that, and so there was just all these Pokemon appearing in the library, and, like, there'd just be so many people there. And then, who are we to judge? Because all of us staff, in the staff room, and on our breaks, and in the workroom, were just, like, catching Zubats, and just, like, catching so many Zubats, <laughs> and it was a great time, and everyone's in out like, our supervisor wasn't in, in, a, in on it, like, he's he's a little older than us he's like a generation up but yeah it's just interesting how it's quite trans generational there's definitely a hard limit at the top but if you think about it we were eight when pokemon came out seven Mm -hmm. and so we were young we were perfect on the target market but we were so young you know (laughs) like there could have been 15 year olds getting into it so that's what now they're like 35 40 you know like Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was just, like, quite fun. And then after work, I wandered around for an hour 
around the Wellington CBD just like catching Pokemon and talking to people about it because everyone wasn't on it and everyone's walking around and not mm. since the last Harry Potter book came out do I remember such like a grow like a like a consensus of getting involved with a certain part mm. of the culture which was cool and I appreciated it for that even if the game itself in my opinion is a little crappy and it's not it's not great at all like it doesn't really stand up apart from the Pokemon nostalgia just the idea that everyone is in on this for like a day and it probably fade in time but just for now it's like everyone at school being into marvels or something mm. you know like everyone's into this right now and it's so great <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well that definitely sounds fun like yeah mm. what day did it come out was it oh like two days ago yeah like friday and then i think it came okay. out on like an evening or something like it wasn't quite a full it wasn't like a big thing and then it was only a day later that everyone started jumping in on it and then mm-hmm. yeah so it's fun it's just a little like I'm useless at catching Pokemon which I never thought I'd say <laughs> I'm so sorry my past up <laughs> but you have to like have you played it yet uh no okay you have to like no. flick it's like a little you know me game. it took me five years to get Facebook I'm not gonna do Pokemon you're like a very, you're like a, you're holding a, you're holding back um, you have to, like, flick with your finger to catch... Like, you flick your finger with a Pokeball to try to, like, aim it at the Pokemon, and the Pokemon dodges it. So it's like a reflex game. I see. And it's also, like, how well are you okay, at, yeah. like, sliding your finger game. So that's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's just, uh-huh. it's just like, a fun little distraction. It's definitely not yeah. the best Pokemon could be. Anyway, share me your mm. thoughts or mm. our friend's thoughts. Yeah, well, that was, that was basically what our friend has been saying, mm. is that it's... Um, not the best game that they could have made, which he finds super frustrating mm. because, you know, it has this immense pull, like everyone is playing it for nostalgic reasons, but, you know, everyone could be playing it because it's awesome, you know, and I think mm. that's what he finds frustrating. Um, I think it's so cool, like the thing that I like about games is that they can bring people together, mm. and the cool thing about this game is that, you know, you're actually walking through the real world and probably having interactions that you wouldn't normally have, like what you were having on the street Mm. and things. Um, I'd love it if the game kind of, and this is my extrovert preference, but I'd love it if the game sort of forced you to interact with people a bit Mm. more. Mm. Or provided more incentive for that. Yeah, 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 because at the moment it's just kind of like, oh, you're playing Pokemon too. Oh, look at us both playing Pokemon, you know? Mm. But, like, it could be, like, having to interact within the game, having to work together for some things mm. as well. And, like, I think that that would be really cool. I think that at least I tend to walk through life and kind of I'd like to meet people on the street more often, but it's kind of awkward and you never know how to talk to someone and things. So something like a game like this kind of gives you an excuse. It gives you something to focus on. It, it's it's altered the norm, which is great, because the norm is you just walk down the street and you, you're doing your own thing and you're in your own thoughts. But now, mm. now the norm is just for a day or just for a week or for however long this lasts, the norm is now... You walk down yeah. the street and you just see a bunch of people like jumping up and down trying to catch Nickens <laughs> and then you join them and you jump up and down too. Or you don't. You just smile and be like, yeah, we're on the same page. Or you talk to someone. Like my experience yeah. was I was after work, it was getting pretty cold and dark and I was alone in this park like lurking behind the statue trying to figure out where the heck this Pokemon is because it was close by and I was like walking around the statue for ages 
and then I like come out from behind it and I just I just can't find this flipping Pokemon. And there's this like Chinese guy in his thirties standing there in the middle of the field smoking a like a vape. Like a vape pipe or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And he just like smiles at me and he's like, Catch anything, bro And I'm like, No And he's like, Yeah, <laughs> me neither And then that's it. It was just kind of like a crazy mm. weird human to human experience and you're right you're so right that's what games can provide yeah well it gives us something that we all have in common right like normally you maybe wouldn't think to talk to a person like that because you're like what what am i going to talk to them about like you're just going in blind and that's an awkward place to be but if you know that you can start a conversation about pokemon i think you yeah you have more confidence and i think just the idea that everyone's been using this as a way to meet people shows that whatever we might think at the time, I think we do want more opportunities because like, look how everyone's jumped on this. Like it is this communal thing, like you said, and it feels good to have a Mm. massive communal thing. And it takes, it must take a big IP or a big, uh, like artifact or whatever, like property already known by pop culture to get that critical mass to do that. Mm. Because people won't normally, like those Ingress and those a few other games, people don't normally people won't jump to that unless everyone else is. Like for for, for mm. to change the social norms on the street, you need massive critical mass. You need like you need just like a big event. You know, you can't you can't creep. Mm. I don't think so much. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess people. Um, if you're asking people to like something new, they're really going out of their comfort zones. Whereas, like, wandering around the city, looking at their phone, is kind of, that's already going out of your comfort zone. That's already, like, Mm. acting a bit weird. But the idea that, like, it's already something that you're familiar with, that you Mm. like, that a lot of other people Mm. like as well, Mm. then that makes you brave enough. Mm. I just remember thinking... The other thing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just remember thinking when I'm walking down the street, like, staring at my phone while walking, which you're not meant to do, but everyone does with this game. Because um, you hit, like the, th- yeah. the thing is, is that that game like incentivizes walking while looking at your phone. Like those, that's the optimal state to play the game, which is really quite interesting. But mm. anyway, uh, I just remember like staring, staring mm. deep into the light of my phone while walking down the square and thinking, you know, I used to feel a bit sus and a bit like awkward about using my phone in public and using my phone heaps on the bus stop because everyone else is doing it, and I don't like this idea that we're moving towards this but this is the one day where i feel totally unashamed and totally embracing the phone like just staring at my phone for an hour in public i just completely throw myself into it and i love it and yeah Mm. it was great it might be the sense that it's not gonna last Mm. you know you're like wow this might not be a thing in a Mm. week's time so i'm gonna enjoy it while it still is Mm. yeah yeah and also that's a, it's an opportunity to meet people, you know, like you're not tossing up those opportunities the way that you normally would be if you're using your phone at a bus stop. Mm, mm. It, yeah. it inverts it, doesn't it? Instead of instead of it being subsocial, it's super social. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a cool way to put it. Yeah, I don't even know if those are proper terms. <laughs> yeah. I just say, yeah. It's like not anti-social or like unsocial but like pro uh, but I don't like no, I, don't I like, liked I like yeah I like my money too <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah so there are two other things that I, I think you could do to the mm-hmm. game to make it awesome um the first one would maybe be like make people look a little bit more silly while they're playing it so like instead of just 
flicking and making a relatively um, contained movement. You could maybe like have to hit the Pokemon or pretend to be throwing your phone, but actually be throwing something, and it would sense the motion. Like I just want to see all of these people around the city like doing the most insane yeah. things. <laughs> And I feel like that would facilitate the bonding <laughs> in some ways. Yeah, and you can have Pokemon <laughs> battles where someone you have to stand in a dual stance, like ten meters or five meters away uh-huh. from each other, and then through your phones you see your Pokemon battling. But to everyone else, it looks like you're sort of standing there in a dual, and you're like, yeah, you know, you're screaming at your phone yeah. or jumping around, and you can tell they're in a dual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. There are there's a lot you can do to make it quite physical and and quite fun for people watching and make it more real world fun like using real world body parts mm. and real world you know like subjectivity to to enhance the experience rather than just trying to make it all on the phone yeah yeah and also just like real world putting yourself out of your comfort zone mm. because i think that facilitates the real world interactions rather than just within the game yeah, we're sort of veering yeah. towards culture jamming. Are you familiar with the term culture jamming? No, I'm Okay, not. so culture jamming is the idea that it's built on the precept that we're all in a stupor and we all move around on these paths, on the rails. Like, I will walk to the bus, I will wait at the bus. And culture jamming is the idea that there is value in disrupting these. So you're, like, jamming the culture. So you're, like, mm-hmm. instead of waiting at the bus... Like, okay, a typical... But maybe a bit douchey example of culture jamming might be everyone at the bus stop decides to wait, like, a bit away from the bus stop. And then people who come to the bus stop are like, oh, are we meant to wait over there now? And so they stand with them, and it's just this weird group slightly Ah! away from the bus stop. And then the bus driver comes, and he's like, I don't understand, like, why are they over there? And then he, like, drives a bit closer to them, and he's like, hmm, that was weird. Why did I have to drive a bit further for them? And then it makes him create, like, in his mind, he creates all these other thoughts and new avenues from that, and everyone thinks about things slightly differently because there's just, like, a little jam in the system, you know, like a little glitch. Hmm. Yeah. And so this group yeah. in America called cool. Improv Everywhere, they, throughout the 2000s, they, like, heavily um, uh, would, would would do a lot of, like, culture jamming. They call them missions in the United States, in, in uh, New York City. And they would do things like be on a time loop. So all day, they would there might be five or six actors, and they would uh, repeat the same activities in a Starbucks all day long. And they'd be, like, on a time loop. And then, like, someone would spill a coffee, and then someone would be, like, trying to write their novel and getting all angry about it, and then a couple would break up or fall back together, and it would just be, like, an hour loop all day long. And people started to take notice, and, like, it became a thing, and people were, like, watching, they're like, I swear to God, he's going to drop his coffee right now, and he does. Um, (laughs) But they didn't make it like, this is an act, they just acted totally naturalistic, and then they dispersed afterwards. Um, And you may... And so, yeah, it was really fascinating, and I'd follow them when I was a kid. I'm not a kid, but, you know, like, as a teenager, like, um, all the mm. different missions. And I always wanted to try something like that in New Zealand. And I think Pokemon Go is a bit of culture jamming. It's a bit of a disruption. And I'm all for that. The, mm. That I love that so much. I love it so much. I would love to get involved with a group who does that in, mm. in Wellington, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Did you ever hear about, like, the mp3 experiment thing yeah so mp3 experiment is actually improv everywhere guys they started that they were the first ones who did it okay in, yeah because you know, it sounded familiar. yeah and they also started what is now known as flash mobs so a lot of their 
ideas mm-hmm. sort of took on different meanings and became different things. But anyway, um, how did the one in Auckland go? Did you go? No, I was gonna go, and then it was like it was raining and uh, cold, and I was gonna be on my own. So I was like, Ah, uh, you would have seen you met you met some cool people there though. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but I was like, it's gonna happen yeah, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What about you? Have you ever no, done it? No, but I think I know the people who ran it, and they were those same people who we mm-hmm. remember. We went to that large-scale game design place, um, like, um, in that church. Mm, yeah, 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 those people were the ones who ran it. I think. Yeah, oh, Auckland's very small. Okay, you should talk a little bit about it. So oh, yes, so MP3 Experiment is uh, basically everyone, it's almost like a silent disco, so everyone wears headphones, and it's kind of cute that it's called MP3 Experiment, because it's back, because you'd carry your MP3 players around back in the day, that's why it was MP3. But mm-hmm. anyway, you, you download an MP3 file, everyone listens to it at the same time, and everyone's meeting up in a public place, so you might be in Silo Park or a square or a park, and everyone presses play on their MP3s at the same time. And the one rule is you have to do everything your MP3 tells you to do. So there's a there's a voice, and the voice will tell you to everyone sit down. So everyone sits down at the same time. Everyone stand up. And the effect is is that when you have a hundred, a thousand, you know, a dozen people all doing the same thing, and they don't know why they're doing it or what's going to happen next. It looks really cool, and it's lots of fun. And they mm. might be like, everyone, swarm the nearest person and hug them, or everyone, blow up a balloon, or yeah. And it and it and it's it's sort of a new category of entertainment that you can't quite put into a box yet, and it mm. hasn't been corporatized yet. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That I love everything about that. Like I can see like it's so useful yeah like i think as a bonding experience and as a trust thing like with strangers and then you kind of you're committed to follow whatever instructions you receive Mm -hmm. and that's kind of that's a big trust thing like i think that was why i was so nervous and why i ended up not going but i do want to because i'm aware that like that's something that i didn't want to do and that makes me want to do it just to prove it to myself but like yeah i mean just following someone's instructions even though you don't Mm. know what they're going to be that's kind of creates this relationship between Mm. you and then if you pull it off and if it's okay i think you both feel really connected Mm. Mm. yeah you're sort of going through something together like um mm, yeah we um i was at this ice cream shop and they had board games and one of the games was love jenga have you ever heard of what's love jenga (laughs) I think it's from, it's from, it's not as bad as it sounds. (laughs) It's from China, so it kind of uses the word love in a different way to where our minds go. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's from China or something. But um, it's normal Jenga, but on all of the bricks there's like a little instruction. And it's great, because that's the kind of game where it would be embarrassing. And I felt like some of the things were embarrassing, but it was all really really aimed at like connecting people. So, for example, one of them was like, obey the instructions of the person on your right for one minute, and they get to tell you to do whatever, and you have to do it. So, the someone, like my friend, told me to write a poem about, like, a three-line poem about passion fruit, and that's what I had to do, and then he was like, now you have to, like, say it really loudly in this ice cream parlor, which I did, and, it, like, it was fun. <laughs> Another brick, for example, was call your parents 
and tell them why you love them. Like it was really like nice mm. stuff, like all like feelings and bring mm. people together and yeah, it was special. Yeah, but yeah, I love the fact that games can do that. I love it when it's not competition, mm. but that like bring people mm. together. Mm, yeah, I know. I think I remember being at、uh, Christmas in the Park when I was a kid and watching groups of young Chinese students sit in a circle and play these slapping games. That were looks that were so foreign and unusual to me at the time, and they were just all about laughter and cooperation. And it would be like a silly slapping game, and someone might have、mm. to get slapped because they're the last one to put their hand in the middle or something. And so everyone goes and gives them a slap, like a little funny one. But and everyone laughs and like claps for them and like giggles, and it's just like and it's, there's、mm. this real emphasis on just light silliness. Whereas I feel Western games don't have that. There's there's always this. Strand of seriousness and monopoly or risk, where you're not just being silly, you're、mm. wanting to win. You know. Yeah, yeah, and there's this sense that people won't want to play a game unless they can win it. Like, why would you even put yourself through that unless you're going to potentially get、mm. something? Like, that's kind of our whole mentality, eh? Hmm. And there's this really ah、oh, man. There's this really cute. YouTube series you reminded me of, where three Japanese guys are in America. I think they are visiting America, and they decide to eat ten burgers in a day. And so they drive around. These three guys they drive around to different burger joints, and for them McDonald's is a novelty, and KFC is well, what is you know what is America? All these American fast food restaurants, and they order. These combos, and the and the idea is that they want to. Oh, and the game is that on their wheel, on the front wheel of their car, they've got a little.、Uh, I don't know how you say it, like a pie chart sort of, and each one has it like each quadrant, each third of the pie chart on the wheel has one of their names on it, and whatever when they park their car, whatever names on the ground, that person has to eat the burger,、mm. and so they're going around、mm. eating burgers and like having each other on, and it's just. So jovial and funny and cute, and if somebody can't finish their burger, they all try to like help each other to finish it, and they're just there's this lightness to it that、Aww. you just don't see. Like if there were if it was three American guys or three Kiwi guys doing it, I just to generalize, I feel like it would be so much more vicious and just、yeah. cruel, and they would just like you finish your burger.、Mm. Um, but yeah, I think ha- there's、yeah. a certain philosophy or attitude you can bring toward get to a game where it does produce a really Cooperative, happy outcome.、Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's so nice. It's so inspiring. Yeah, <laughs> and I suppose Pokemon is that in a way. I guess if I had to say one great thing about、mm. how Pokemon Go is now in its state, it doesn't mean we have to compete so much. Like if a Pokemon appears, it doesn't just appear for one person; it appears for everyone, and everyone has a chance to catch it.、Um, mm-hmm. And so you're sort of huddled around this area of a of a building, and you're all trying to catch the sandshrew, but you're not fighting over it. You're so yeah, yeah. There is that, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So the other thing that I think would be cool is if you didn't just、um, walk around and look at your phone, like you were saying, but if it was kind of like. Geocaching, and it would end up putting you in like unexpected places that you wouldn't、mm. normally 
go to? Like, do you know mm-hmm. geocaching? Yeah, explain it to our listeners. <laughs> ah, this is your advantage. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, it's a website where people can make their own treasure hunts. So I might lay a treasure hunt that has like three different steps and there's a puzzle at each step and it gives me the coordinates for the next place where I need to then like look for the clue and sort of hunt around. I don't know. I kept doing it in Germany and then we'd end up like digging around in the forest. and like So yeah, yeah, you're digging around in the forest and you find the next clue and then the next one and the next one and it just ends up kind of just being a bit preposterous because you're like wandering around the forest off the path and like <laughs> you don't even really know what you're looking for and there are these like normal people like old people on their sunday sunday hike and they're like looking at you really weird like why are they all standing there like such yeah or something yeah um yeah and it, but the the benefit of it is that you walk outside of where you would normally walk you know like it gives you a reason to explore this place where there might be a cave where you have to then go into like i've had that as well um and yeah it would be great if pokemon go could do that as well if you kind of get coordinates of where a pokemon is and then you end up like going to a particular place in the city and like other people are trying to get there too and then you're trying to find it together or maybe sharing clues Mm, or information mm. or something there was a rumor that there was a mewtwo at the top of mount victoria and so a bunch of people were <laughs> up the top of Mount Victoria because there was a rumour that there was a Mewtwo up there. But it wasn't so. That was just a rumour. But that's an example, yeah. It would be cool if there were these sort of locations. Mm. It does. It sort of works like that in a way because there are these places called Pokestops and points of interest. Oh, they're just called Pokestops. And there's also gyms. And they're just, like, they're static. And they're somewhere in the city or they're somewhere around the neighbourhood. Like, for instance, there's a gym in the middle of the gully down the bottom of my street. And so I have to walk to this mm. gully and walk into the middle of the gully to, to like, fight to this gym. And other people do that too. And so, yeah. And yesterday I was in the middle of some school field, uh... like, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> trying to, like, catch Pokeballs. So, yeah, there are certain <laughs> locations that are quite static in the game. But... The issue for that is that there's so many of them and they're so plentiful and they're not so uh, remarkable. Like it just might be like the trade aid. The trade aid in town is a a Pokestop and it's just like, well, okay, that's fine. But it'd be much cooler if, if, like you say, you had to really trick out and, you know, work together like a geocaching site. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What about all the rest of okay. your thoughts? I I'm going like to read out. I'm going to read out my thoughts, thoughts, and to you're going to you're gonna pick one to, for me to talk about or us to discuss. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Here we go. Okay. So I've got one, two, three, four. One of them was Pokemon Go, and I think we pretty much talked about that. So there's four mm-hmm. other thoughts cool. I've got. Okay. The first one is t- t- Tinder mm-hmm. date. I went on yesterday. Uh, the next one is ultimate goal in life slash hobby or ultimate hobby in life the next one is untalkables Mm -hmm. and untalkaboutables as a goal the next one is my poetry performance coming up so which of those four do you wish to talk about if you can remember them um the the second to last Uh, one untalkables (laughs) 
You chose the one that's the most... Potentially with reference to the Tinder Ah, date, if that's what made you think about it. Maybe. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Okay. Um, Untalkables and... I wrote these notes at like one in the morning last night as I was half groggy asleep. And then I woke up and then I quickly wrote some notes and went back to sleep. I think this one is about... Untalkables and talk about as a girlfriend. Oh yeah, that's right. Just how my... Every time I'm in bed at night going to sleep... There's so much I think about that I don't talk about with anyone, and there's so much I think about in my day-to-day life that I it's like sublime and I don't actually talk, we don't really mention it. And one of my goals for this podcast, and one of my goals for Anatomy of a Party, which is that project I'm working on that you named, um, is that yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm keeping it. And that is that I want to mention and talk about things that I feel haven't been talked about so much, and maybe they have in some book somewhere, sure, mm. but. I think the goal of mm. audio output and the goal of a podcast, in my opinion, like its most noble goal is to mention things that haven't been mentioned yet before or to cover ground from a certain angle. Mm. Uh, and I'm relating this to rappers because there are rappers out there that, and it started about five, ten years ago, that are producing so much output on the internet that it's just insane. Like they're producing so many mixtapes and albums and tracks all the time. And they're labeled outside of art, outsider artists because they're not doing it for commercial viability. And they're just sort of producing this rap for themselves basically. And just in their own little world. And a lot of people think the rap is terrible and a lot of people hate them, but a lot of people love them too. And some of them have built up this cult following as outsider artists where they're produced like their own little world. Um, and you can only really do that through mass output and through mass, like, maximal just giving out everything and just talking about things that people haven't talked about and just, like, not use, not walking down the same roads of rap or not walking down the same roads of what to talk about, but diverting it and sort of culture jamming and, like, trying a new path and trying and just being very authentic to your own voice. Because if you're being authentic to your mm. own voice, like, go deep down that rabbit hole... You're probably going to be talking about things from an angle that no one ever else has or can, and that I think there's a lot of value in that. Even if you only have like five listeners or like ten listeners, there's some YouTube channels I subscribe to that produce like there's these YouTube channels I subscribe to that like do these long video diaries. There's a girl pouring it out her soul about like wrestling with whether to be happy or not that I follow. There's like this guy who does these long book reviews and there's, there's another kid I follow on YouTube that just plays video games and just talks about sport and how his day at work is going. And they get like, they've got like no subscribers. There's like maybe 20 views per video, but I really enjoy these people more than I would any big YouTube star because they're so, they've got such a unique little weird take on the world. And I feel there's a lot of value mm. in that. And I think we're living in, an, in a time when that is now becoming more and more prevalent, but also accessible. And so somebody could listen to our podcast and be like, yeah, that's really cool. Some of my friends might not get into this, but I'm getting into this because it's it's just, it's, it's quite niche or it's quite, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, I think... When you become more yeah. authentic or when you kind of step into your own voice, you might lose broad appeal, but you gain something better. Anyway, what do you think about that? Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think, yeah, there's this kind of the type of art where you're doing pretty much the same thing as what other people are doing, but with enough of a variation to make you interesting. And there's a lot of skill involved in that. But I guess... Oh, can you hear me? Something's beeping weirdly. Are you there? I don't know what's happening. What's happening? Uh, you're saying you're saying Hello? Uh, something about art. <laughs> <laughs> is that yeah, all you I was had? just wondering what you thought about all of that. There's art that is a variation on a theme, and it's like enough of a variation to make you new and interesting. And there's some skill involved in that, I think, definitely. And that's what most you know artists who make it big end up doing because they can strike that balance. But um, I think the really interesting thing for me is how can you express things? How can you put things you know into words like you were saying that you've never really voiced before? And how can you explain ideas or just show concepts that, yeah, I mean like how well can you give voice to your inner world? Because I think I'm fascinated by people's inner worlds and I'm fascinated at by the ways that they find to you know, find words for them. So yeah, that mm. is what I'm interested in mm. as well. And it takes courage and it takes a lot of creativity because you're not necessarily building on something. You are starting from scratch or at least a lot more from scratch than you could. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's really hard to find the words for something that you've never heard anyone mm. else talk about. Like, But it's so important as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Do you find you, when you're being creative, do you often, how how self-conscious are you when you're creative? Are you doing it through the lens of what other people may see it as? Or are you, is it purely sort of just for you and it's just your, your internal world? Hmm, um, I've kind of, decided that my creativity will just be for me because I don't want to make that kind of compromise like yeah like I said the interesting thing is how can I put my inner world into words and I'm aware that you know what you said with the trade-off with like if you're thinking about your audience you have to kind of filter things for them and I would rather not filter because I'm curious about where it can go if I'm not worrying mm. about the audience that's what interests mm. me so, yeah, I think from the outset, I never think when I'm being creative, oh, what is someone going to think of this? Mm. It's always like, I'm going to make this for me. And if anyone else is interested, then that's fine. I'm really happy to share it, but I wouldn't really want to push it on anyone because it's not meant for them. It's meant for me. Mm. But, I mean, in some ways that's selfish. You can see that as selfish. But, you know, other people do creativity for other people. I do selfish creativity. <laughs> it's great that there's both. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I've kind of realized that um, the way I live my life is in some ways the creativity that I filter for other people. You know, like the way that I will have a conversation with someone. Then I'm in some ways thinking a lot about the person that I'm talking to and trying to speak in a way that they're going to understand and a way that they'll find interesting. And um, I think the fact that I 
then have all of these things that I maybe don't say in real life that I end up writing in poems. I feel like those two processes kind of enable each other. The fact that when I go through life, I kind of think about the people around me or mm. like I try to. And then when I'm creative, I can only think about myself. And I like the balance between oh. those two. Hmm. Yeah, I see that. No, it makes total sense. sense. It makes total <laughs> sense. Yeah, it's an interesting tension. Yeah. yeah. What a, hmm, What about you with creativity? Because you do, you know, you mentioned that you had that poetry reading coming up. So I think that you do think a little bit more about, um, I don't know, maybe for you it's more of like a, a struggle between authenticity and wanting people yeah. to like what you do like i think i think for when i'm when i'm doing any sort of performance and it says poetry but it's not really poetry because i was reading some out that i'm going to read out and it's just it's 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 poetry in such a loose term it's just more monologues and interesting thoughts i've had and i get to use this veneer of poetry to mm. as an excuse to speak to a room of people mm. but i think um yeah. For me, it's all about them. It's all about providing as much value as I can for them. And I feel like that's a skill I want to develop mm. in terms of performance. I want to provide as much value as I can to those listening. And I want to do that for egotistical reasons. I want to do that so that people will say, Tim, like that was really great. But I also want to do it just for the mm. for the raw effect of providing cool value for them. And then I'd use my unique voice mm. for that. But I wouldn't... I don't want it to be self-serving at all. And I completely understand that distinction between performance that is for you, selfish, as you say, selfish creativity, versus uh, sort of having them in mind and making it about them. Uh, and I think both have their place, but I think, yeah, it's just interesting. I say that, but I wonder how much of it really is self-serving. Like, I don't, I'm not too sure. I definitely... I definitely value and I and I uh, celebrate selfish creativity and I think people should do it more and it should be more of a thing you could probably write a self-help book on it about how you know write these stories for yourself <laughs> draw these pictures for yourself only yeah hmm yeah yeah I think we tend to value creativity that is palatable to mm. other people and it's like why we you know cr humans just mm. are creative we don't necessarily need to, you know, be creating for someone else. We just enjoy the process. Yeah, and if it's if we're afraid to create, if it's going to be seen as terrible, like if I draw a picture, or if I and mm. I'm terrible at drawing pictures, I'm afraid to show that to people because, yeah, there's this weird stigma against being a bad at things and being bad at creative endeavors. Mm. Ah, yeah. But you only get good yes, from being bad. and also we shouldn't value the good yeah. as much as we do, because bad is okay. It, it's okay mm -hmm. to be a bad creative. It's okay to be bad at karaoke, you know? Like, being bad at karaoke is the best. I, mm -hmm. I feel sorry for the people who are good at karaoke, because for them, the whole experience is this performance <laughs> yeah. where they have to hit the notes right. But screw that. Like, karaoke should be about just mm. an unfiltered expression of being drunk. And being in this moment with your friends mm. and nothing more and I think there's there's a lot of value at being bad at things and being okay with that yeah well that's kind of the what we were talking about before with like creativity as expression 
And the cool thing about that is that it frees you from this idea of good or bad. It's about more like how accurate or how authentically can you express mm, yourself, mm. you know? And no one can really fault that in a way. You're only really limited by how well you know yourself and how comfortable mm. you feel expressing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, because you said that you um, want to give value to whoever listens to your poetry. But um, I say poetry. Expression. Mm. Let's just call it expression. Um, like, what kind of value? Because, you know, value could be defined in so many different ways. But, like, what do you want to give the people who listen to you? What do ah, you hope very good, take very good question. It? Three main... I've thought about this. Three main uh, uh, sort of angles on it. One is I want them to have like laugh and have a great time in the moment i want them just to think that was a funny line or like aha i relate to that and just have a great time out kind of like watching stand-up comedy or something mm. and that will provide a sort of a, a fun experience for them two i want them to be um a little wowed by by turn of phrases and uh just the way i put the string the words together because what can differentiate poetry from stand-up comedy is poetry has an emphasis on, or it can have an emphasis on um, cool ways to say things and new cool metaphors and ways to put, mm. put, put, put words together that can be remembered and called back upon in times of need or in times of anxiety or when people like look back and they're like, oh, that was a beautiful way to put it. Mm. There are like song lyrics that, of course, we all remember and are special to us or uh, mean something because of just the, the perfect way they phrase it. Mm. And... So I want to provide that. And the third thing I want to provide is um, anxiety-relieving, interesting takes on life and the human condition that people can take home with them and remember and use and treasure. Yeah. So, you know, no no high lofty ambitions, just those... <laughs> No, no, they they found they seem like the perfect amount yeah. of high and lofty. That's fine. There's a very real and very useful mm. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how when you're writing you kind of write about being anxious and then everyone in the audience is going to be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that." <laughs> and it's great because those, those are the things that we don't normally talk about. Those are the Yeah, exactly, the untalkables yeah. and the untalkaboutables. And I was thinking actually last night about what you said about the anatomy of the party idea and how I can use it as a tool to be like, look, we're all anxious at the party. But I think there's so much more that that's untalkable about, untalkaboutable as well. Like not just that, like that's just one small mm. part. And there's other, there's so many other like perhaps feelings and emotions, but not even feelings and emotions, just like ideas and thoughts and designs and ways of beings and modes of existing at a party that can be expressed through this medium that isn't just, I have an anxiety disorder, you know? Um, envy, mm. uh, sort of fawning over someone, um, all these, like, general states of being that we fall ourselves, find ourselves in. Being drunk. I don't know, just, like, there's just so many... There's just so yeah. much we don't... That can be exposed through, you know, narrative or book or a um, second person. Um, yeah, and I really like that. Because that's how we live, right? Like, that's who we are. We are those. Yeah. We're not an image. We're not, like, the film. Mm. 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 Yeah. 
Very good. Keep <laughs> <going>. <laughs> right. Keep doing what okay, you're doing. I will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you want to uh, tell me about your Tinder date? I have, have to go have to in go soon? 10 minutes, but I'll uh, tell you about. Okay. So the Tinder date's part of my yes. new philosophy on life, which I've expressed on this podcast and I've expressed to you, which is mass output and mass, like, producing content. And for me, the Tinder date was me producing content in my own life. So that's how I sort of approached it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sort of, this is sort of... It's very flattering <laughs> for the person. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can be some beautiful content, you know? <laughs> um, and I... <laughs> I, um... Uh, this is sort of like a modified take on the Say Yes Year we both did. Yeah, so I do like the idea mm -hmm. of mass new cool. experience, and I and it's sort of releasing that stigma of maybe I don't want to produce bad stuff. Like maybe I want a Tinder date, even if it's a bad Tinder date. A bad Tinder date is more worth going on mm. than no Tinder date, and, and according to this philosophy. Anyway, mm -hmm. so exactly, what have you got to lose? right? Just my dignity. So I yeah. went on this Tinder date, <laughs> and it was fine. And I knew within I don't I don't want to talk too badly about it because she might be listening so by saying that already yeah no she probably no, won't no, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. despite the sheer difference in our personalities and chemistries I knew straight away that this wasn't going to be anything more and I think they did too but we both enjoyed a conversation regardless and just enjoyed a good hour hmm. or two of just yakking away about life even though we knew like, without that pressure of mm. this is going to be a thing. Um, but what I found quite mm. interesting about it was that she talked a lot about herself. And I facilitated this. I kept asking her questions. And I was genuinely interested in, like, what she was about. But she wasn't... She didn't really ask me any questions about myself. And she didn't seem very interested in any topic apart from her her identity and who she was um and I found that quite difficult yeah. to navigate okay I didn't I wasn't sure how to change that in the conversation I'm not sure if I could have I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that sort of thing mm, yeah sure I mean that's something I think so much about like pretty much after every conversation I have it's like you know how much did I find out about that person how much did I talk about myself and I'm so self-conscious about mm. talking too much about myself and things um I think it can be really hard to know where to start I think in that situation like putting myself in her shoes maybe she was just enjoying talking about herself and that's a cool thing like mm. we all kind of want that and some of us don't have a lot of opportunities to do that to have someone really listen and you are really good at listening so like I imagine that she just felt good and was enjoying it and kept going but um I guess sometimes I notice that I'm talking a lot about myself and I want to change that around but it's difficult to know where to start and then I guess it's really nice if that person kind of throws mm. me a hint of the things that I could mm. ask about because you know otherwise you've got like I've been sharing all the stuff about myself and I don't know anything about you and I'm like mm. what do I ask and it's quite hard to snap out of this zone of answering your questions because you know like you keep ask, ask, 
ugh, asking me questions. I'm talking about myself, like I'm thinking about what I'm saying. I don't really have the brain space to think, what could I possibly ask you? Oh shit, I've been talking a lot about myself, mm. you know? So like, it puts me in a really mm. difficult position because I'm thinking and talking. I can't snap out of it as easily as you can because you're like listening the whole time, kind of analyzing, like you have the brain space to change the conversation around. She doesn't. It's a weird. It's a weird dynamic. So, eh? It's like almost I, a power dynamic where the person listening has more brain space and more power. Yeah, it's strange. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what I've always kind of done is ask people a lot of questions, and that's when I feel really comfortable. Like, I went on a date a while ago, and I just asked question after question after question, and it was great! Like, I, I finished, and I was like, mm. woohoo, I learned so much! Um, I felt quite good about myself, because I hadn't had to share anything, like, I hadn't had to actually be mm. that vulnerable myself. And, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I kind of knew that, yeah, it did make me feel, in some ways, powerful. Yeah, I see that. I felt that too. I felt like I could ask them questions... I could ask her questions that were would would push on a certain angle, and I could explore different areas of who she was. Um, mm. And because I had all that brain space mm. while she was talking, to sort of think of not you know wait wait to talk, but like while I'm I am listening, just to like it's almost I was, I was I've quite been a therapist, but I was definitely doing some active listening, you know, and just like figuring this one out and mm. then would like hit something and then would push a bit further and they would move off and I'd discover where her like yeah it was really fascinating it was like a cross-section of a human being in mm. like an hour but I was sort of yeah yeah I love it I too love like it. I love that like I I wouldn't mind I don't I don't mind doing if I go on a tinder date just doing that and just having like that's enough for me but I did feel a little miffed mm. that she didn't even ask me like I sort of I want, in terms of someone to be with or someone to get closer to, I want someone who will turn the, turn the tables and be like, okay, now, like, let's explore you. Because I want them to be interested in people like I'm interested in people. And she didn't seem like she was interested in people yeah. in this way. She wasn't someone who would enjoy doing some active listening. I don't think so much. Yeah. Mm. Mm like a values thing yeah 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 um but it was fine it was a great time and then oh, so the endings are always awkward i never know how to end a tinder date i just ah like there's there's all these like it's like <laughs> an adventure game there's all these options like do you kiss do you hug do you just say goodbye do you do like an awkward fumbled <laughs> like handshake and then like, <laughs> like, just regret it. I don't know. Like, I, I just, I dread that moment yeah. so much. And it got, yeah. it got to a point on the date where I'm like, I'm just sitting here because I really don't want to do the goodbye. Like, I'm just like putting off the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh... a good half an hour of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff can be so confusing because there are so many mm. signals that you might potentially be sending and they'll understand something different. But it's like, if you don't send that signal either, mm. then that's a bad thing. So, like, th there's nothing neutral that you can do. Yeah, you, you can't know? just sort of computer up and be like, okay, exit program, save. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like if I hug them or if I kiss them, they might, you know, think、mm. that I'm more interested than I am. But if I don't do anything at all, they'll think that I'm not interested at all, and that might not be true either. And there's no in-between thing that I can choose to just be like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess all you can do is then just like communicate, and if you do want to see the person again, then tell them. And if you don't necessarily, then、mm. it doesn't matter. I, I just my my optimal use of Tinder for me would be someone messages me and I message them and then we meet up and we have a conversation. That that's it. But it seems so far removed、mm. from what actually happens on Tinder,、yeah. which is awkward banter or like funny banter, and then it dies off, and then it, <laughs> and then it repeats. And like there's no. It's just getting getting it into a place、mm. where you can actually meet up with someone. It takes effort. And I just like I can't. Ah,、uh, like my 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 my. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,、so、I think yeah. The coolest thing about internet dating is that you can、mm. be explicit about that. Like you have the profile、mm. that people are hopefully、well, going to read before they message you. That's what I wrote. Make I, it clear what you want,、uh, and you'll attract also know, other people who want that. I wrote on that profile. Can like can we just meet up or something along those lines? Like let's just like. Like I, I'm, I'm here to、mm. have some tea or coffee. I'm here for that. Like I'm here to, to, to arrange a time to meet up. Like please, if you message me, let's just do that. And then every time someone would message me, within like two messages, I'd be like,、mm. all right. So like, like do you want it? Not two messages, but you know, after a little bit of time, I'd just be like, let's do this. Like let's meet up sometime. And then I don't know. Like I think a lot of people. Maybe it's too soon, or a lot of people aren't prepared to do that. Or like, I don't know. It's just kind of frustrating. Not. It's almost like we need tags on Tinder. Like you can just tag, and you'll only find people who are actually genuinely、mm. want to meet up. Or like, I'm here for ego. Then cool. Then put the ego tag on, and then everyone can know that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Oh, there's so much you could do、oh, to improve、yeah. dating websites. <laughs> But um, I mean, maybe then make it clear when you say that, like, when you want to meet up, just be like, I find it easier to talk in person, and um, I don't know if I'm looking for a relationship, but I just like to meet up with you just for a chat. I mean, could you approach it like that rather than oh, let's meet up? And one more thought on Tinder is that my profile used to say I read a lot. Because I thought that I sum that sums up me, and it makes me look like attractive, and people yeah, like, like people I, I read a lot seems to be the best message I can write to get matches. But all when I wrote that message, yeah, everyone who messages me, their opening line is, "So what are you reading right now?" Like every single person, like just so many people, and and it just got to a point where、oh. I got so frustrated and bogged down with answering that question and opening that way that I wrote on my. I changed it on my profile. It said, "I read a lot. Please don't message me asking me what I read." And then, and then, and then <laughs> everyone started messaging me with a new、uh... message, and it was, "So what are you reading?" Winky face, or what are you reading? Like tongue and cheek face. And I thought, "No, I can't do this. I can't live like this." I know. I know. 
You know, like I, I've never used Tinder, but I've, I, when I go on dating sites and there's a possibility of searching, mm. I search for reading. It's a good filter. Like that's what I search for. And if someone doesn't mention reading, I'm like, well, I probably <laughs> won't be able to talk to them for very long because at some point I'm going to mention books and they're going to be like, uh, and I'll be like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good filter. So keep keep the reading on i think Uh, it will attract the type of people that you like talking to maybe but maybe what you could do is not just have reading right have like a few different things and then you'll get you know five different messages being like what performance type stuff do you do like what do you yeah study you know like different things not just reading hey i need to run to a bus but goodbye okay (laughs) farewell (laughs) 